Welcome to Real Christianity, a weekly show designed to help Christians know their Bible, defend their faith, and truly understand what it means to follow Jesus. The premise is simple. The culture is getting louder. The church is getting flashier, but few pastors are teaching on how to live a biblical life. My name is Dale Partridge, along with my incredible wife, Veronica. Join us as we start an important conversation about what it really means to be a Christian. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Real Christianity. Today we are talking about what is a biblical woman part one. Yes, we are going to be doing a two-part series. Veronica is going to tell us a little more about that in a second on biblical womanhood. Um, if you guys follow us on social media, I just posted a post on Instagram about biblical womanhood and um, had a lot of conversation and thought it was important to have a deeper conversation. It was International Women's Day a few days ago and thought it was a good time to bring some biblical truth to the conversation of the culture about what it means to be a woman. So Veronica and I put together some scriptures and we will continue that discussion today. Um, a few things before we get started. Guys, thank you guys so much again for these reviews. We keep reading them and they're just so encouraging. It's amazing just how it's. they really just keep us going. Um, I, I, I read it probably every single one of them. I try to show Veronica a lot of them. I'm a, I'm a bit obsessive about reading them though. Um, <laughs> so if you guys want to leave a review, please do. But again, all you need to do to actually help us have more exposure on iTunes is just tap the stars in iTunes. You don't even need to write something. Um, you guys can also listen to the show again on Spotify, uh, on Stitcher, on Google Play, on YouTube. This is a video that you guys can watch. And uh, we are still, we're almost done. Uh, if you're listening to this real time with the relearnchurch.org new podcast section, our developers have the new design. They're working on it. It'll be up very soon. So uh, this episode will be available. Veronica will mention that again at the end of the episode today. Um, let's start the conversation of Biblical womanhood. womanhood. Yeah. Okay. So Dale and I decided to do a two-part series on biblical manhood and womanhood. But since last week was International Women's Day, we decided to start with the ladies. Yep. So this is part one of two for the women. And then there will be two parts for the men as well. Yes. Um, so we're going to be going through about four to six scriptures that speak directly to Christian manhood and womanhood. Yeah. So uh, men also, I want you to pay attention to these episodes. Uh, if you are a father or husband, or plan to be a father or husband at some point, uh, you cannot leave, leave, lead your wife or daughter you to can't a leave either. Yeah, you can't leave either. <laughs> <laughs> you can't lead your wife or daughter to a place in which you don't understand or don't know how to get to, or don't know the descriptions or doctrines of what it means to be a godly woman. So we have a part to play, especially as a father, especially as a husband, to lead our wives uh, toward what the Bible says a woman should be. And now she's also responsible for that on her own journey, but it is part of our leadership and our headship 
in, uh, in our wives and daughters' lives. So pay attention, please, to this. Uh, we've actually, Veronica and I have sat down before in front of YouTube and listened to several pastors teach on biblical manhood and womanhood. Mm-hmm. And Veronica always loves the the manhood ones because she just is like, yes, like he's, he's getting this truth from somebody else. Um, and then I'm, I'm sitting here also the same side going, yes, look at this great stuff, the biblical content, but we were, yeah, we're but at the same time, it. at least if you watch Paul washers and <laughs> <laughs> in, in the biblical manhood, you know, he hits the men really hard, but then the biblical womanhood, you're just, you're just like, oh man, okay, here comes my turn. He's going to just you know, hit the women real hard. Yeah. And then he starts preaching and he actually still hits the men yeah, just as does. hard. <laughs> it's really funny. Yeah. So I there, mean, he gets the women too, but yeah. So there's a really great series. Uh, it's on YouTube. It, Paul Washer's biblical manhood, part one and two and three. I think it's three parts. And yeah. then he does it for women as well. So, uh, biblical manhood and womanhood is such a lost art today. It is so rare um, the, these passages actually are going to seem foreign to us. Uh, they're actually, they're actually even foreign to the church. I don't think many pastors of larger churches are even teaching on these passages and today's culture. It's just rare to see a man or a woman or a wife or a husband walk out these biblical roles. It's sad, but it's true. Um, I think actually the last generation, uh, to see this kind of caliber specifically of the women, um, because we're talking about women today, was the 19, if you were born in like 1940 or earlier, I think the 60s as like, you could still kind of see a remnant of what it was to be a lady um, and just kind of that real authentic beauty and just that character and countenance of a woman that is kind of rare today. Uh, Women have been uh, vandalized since then. I just feel like they're just it's gotten a lot more raunchy. It's gotten a lot more, um, sexual. It's gotten a lot more, um, aggressive, assertive. Mm -hmm. There's just a a loss that just two generations ago, uh, they, they didn't know anything about this. And so, um, these, 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 these verses that we're going to go over these, this character that we're going to examine of a godly woman, they were not foreign or offensive. 1940 and back. Um, and it's important that we just recognize that there has been a, there has been some, somewhat of a shift. Um, I remember a bumper sticker that I saw once, and I think it's a really important point that we're going to dive into before we get started. It said, feel far from God, question mark, who moved? And it's implying that God didn't move. No, we moved like we, we moved away from from God. And that's exactly what's happened in this transition of what culturally was accepted to be what a woman was, who she identified as, how she carried herself in comparison to the scriptures. So who moved us or God? Yeah. I hear this all the time when we talk about biblical gender roles, especially for women. Mm-hmm. We hear a lot of people say, it's 2019. Why are you trying to take us back to the 1950s? It's the idea that morality or biblical doctrine is somehow relative to a specific time in history. Yeah. And the truth is time doesn't change God's word. Yeah. God is the same yesterday, today, tomorrow, mm-hmm. and forever. Mm-hmm. Um, so the Bible doesn't change. It changes us. Um, the doctrines of the Bible are universal and they are to be applied locally to your own life in your own time. Yeah. And so this is, this is really critical. I, I want to just even say that statement again. 
time doesn't change God's word. Mm -hmm. It's just so important just to hear that and remember that, Mm -hmm. that that's just a part of, of yielding to scripture. Just because it's 2019 doesn't mean that all of a sudden the Bible's doctrines change. Yeah. If we disagree with something that we read in scripture, it's not the Bible that needs to change. It's us. Yeah. So there's a great quote, um, Dustin Benj. Uh, I don't really know Dustin that well, but I follow him on Twitter and he's just got some pretty solid content. He's a, he's a, um, reformation guy, meaning that he, uh, is a reformed theology, uh, would probably, I'm assuming, fall into that Calvinist camp. Um, but I, I really appreciate a lot of the truth that he drops in terms of just really good one-liners. And he says, uh, there is no tension in scripture. If we perceive tension, the tension is within us, not scripture. And again, I think that there's, when you read some of these passages for womanhood um, and for manhood, but generally women, um, there's, there's a tension. Like, I don't like to hear that. I'm offended by that. Well, is the tension in scripture or is the tension in us? Mm -hmm. And I think it really is in us. So I want to talk about just the unchanging word of God. Well, and it goes back to the curse of Eve. It does. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The the curse of Eve is that, that she will always have a desire for her husband Mm -hmm. to, to, to actually reverse the headship that roles. That these scriptures will kind of always make you uneasy. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It's part of the curse to a woman. But when you're yielded to scripture, when you're yielded to God, you want to walk in his spirit, uh, these things actually become really great mm-hmm. blessing for us to have. Yeah. Um, so Matthew 24 through, or 24, 35, we're going to talk about just the unchanging word of God. Uh, it says, heaven and earth will pass away but my words will by no means pass away. And so God is actually saying that, hey, everything's going to go except my word. It is unchanging, immovable. It is staying. So again, to to have this moral relativism or uh, relative doctrine that actually only is uh, juris, um, uh, it only has jurisdiction in certain periods of time throughout history is is implying that God's word is somehow changing or passing away. And Numbers 23, 19 says, God is not human that he should lie, not a human being that he should change his mind. Does he speak and then not act? Question mark. Does he promise and not fulfill? Question mark. Of course not. He does not. Hebrews also says that it is impossible for God to lie. This is critical as you're putting the theology together of, wow, God's word does not change. Hebrews 13, 8 continues with, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so how can Jesus, Jesus's word be different if he's line? How can it change if it says that his words will not pass away? And there's even a greater theological uh, argument that we just don't have time for at this point. But if you adopt this time-based approach to scripture where the doctrines change when culture changes, then we actually destabilize the entire Bible. And you need to realize like the weight of that statement real quick. If God's word changes, like it's no longer authoritative in this time as it was at that time, um, if it adjust its authority in some capacity, then why doesn't the gospel change then? Mm-hmm. Because if that can change, 
then that means anything in the scriptures can change, right? Why is it only that the argument of these scriptures that are, quote, old patriarchy or for another time or written to the Corinthians and not to a modern area, why are they always the ones that are politically unpopular? We don't argue that, say, by grace through faith has changed. We don't argue that 1 Corinthians chapter 13 about love has changed. We don't argue that, um, that, that these really popular scriptures around love and universally accepted scriptures, we don't argue about those. We argue about the ones that we don't like in our flesh. And it's just important to recognize that if, if time changes the, the word of God, then it should be able to change the gospel. And if it changes the gospel, then it destabilizes the entire Bible. It's important that we actually allow the authority of scripture to maintain its authority throughout time. Now to be interpreted correctly, but maintain its authority. Yeah, when uh, Dale posted these scriptures about biblical womanhood on his Instagram, he received hundreds of comments about the entrepreneurialism of the Proverbs 31 woman or the bravery of Ruth and Esther. Um, But we have to remember that these Old Testament historical narratives in wisdom literature are the descriptions of who these women were, but they are not God's definition of how all women should be. Yeah, so this is a really important point that Veronica is making here. Um, I, I taught on Proverbs 31, I don't know, earlier this year. And I'm going through it currently. Yeah, she's teaching with the, the women, in, with our the women in our church. Yeah, mm-hmm. and and so, um, you know, just a, a good example, the Proverbs 31 woman is a godly woman. Mm-hmm. Like we we teach on it in our, in our little house church, but they are not the doctrines of a godly woman. Mm-hmm. They're the principles of a godly woman. Mm-hmm. Um, they're fantastic principles actually, but they are not the direct commands of scripture to how a woman must behave or should behave. And if she does not, then, then she's actually looking at being sinful behavior. They're, they're mm-hmm. not those things. Um, the scriptures that we are going through today, I would say are much closer to being Uh, not all of them will talk about that, but are clear commands of the New Testament of how God expects a woman to be and how she should behave, how she should think. Um, And some of them are absolutely doctrine as we go through this series. And so there's, again, I just want you guys to understand the descriptive historical elements of Ruth and, and, um, and Esther and the Proverbs 31 woman and many of the women of the Old Testament and the prescriptive doctrine that Jesus and the, his apostles have actually delivered to, to us men and women on how to behave and carry ourselves mm-hmm. under the new covenant. Yeah. So let's look at two of these doctrines that Dale is chatting about. The first scripture we are going to be reading is going to be 1 Peter 3 three through four, and I'm going to be reading it in the new King James version. Do not let your adornment be merely outward, arranging the hair, wearing gold or putting on fine apparel. Rather, let it be the hidden person of the heart with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. So I I chose specifically these scriptures to talk about, and Veronica is going to dive in here as well, but um, because there's a lot of questions about this. What is a meek and quiet spirit or a gentle and quiet spirit? Um, and so I just want to break this down a little bit. Um, and ladies, sometimes this stuff's harder to hear. Uh, 
again, I think if we yield our hearts to scripture and we just go, you know, God, I just want to do what you want me to do. Nothing more, nothing less. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just want your, an audience of one. You are my audience. Yeah. And don't, I mean, don't take our word for it. Go out and search the scriptures yourself and study it and talk about it with your spouse. Um, and because, yeah, we really encourage you guys to know the word for yourself. And there's lots mm-hmm. of stuff that we're going to be talking to the men about. Mm-hmm. Um, the men have, I would say, even a, a higher level of responsibility and conduct mm-hmm. uh, throughout the scripture. Uh, not not a, as a better or more um, more important, but just a, a greater amount of weight that sits upon the men that we will be talking about uh, in a couple weeks. Um, so this verse, First uh, Peter 3, 3 through 4, um, it's, it's a really rich verse if you actually catch what it's saying here. Mm-hmm. I, what it's saying is, uh, I'll read it one more time just so we have the context for those that are listening. Do not let your adornment be merely outward. Engaging the hair or arranging, arranging. The, arranging the hair, wearing gold or putting on fine apparel. Rather, and it says, don't let your adornment be merely outward. So it doesn't mean that you can't have outward adornment. Yeah. Just not, just, just outward. Just outward adornment, yeah. Rather, let it be what? It says, let it be the hidden person of the heart with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. So your hairstyle, uh, your clothing, your jewelry, uh, your makeup, whatever ornament you add to your body, uh, in the sight of God, actually has no value. And I found that that just interesting because um, think about that. You know, the, the, like you're not impressing the Lord with the outfit you're wearing. Um, now, maybe if it's modest and you're honoring him in that capacity, but, but he's not looking upon you going, wow, you look beautiful today. He's looking at your heart. Mm-hmm. Um, all these adornments are all to press, impress other men and women, maybe your husband, maybe your girlfriends. And that's actually an okay thing to do as long as it's again, modest and, and um, something that, that is, I would say of, of a godly woman. Um, but they are physical adornments, not spiritual adornments. Mm-hmm. And when we recognize that we can kind of elevate the spiritual adornments higher than the physical ones. Cause I think a lot of the women's focus today's culture is on the physical adornments. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's where we get the most attention and where we actually, for a lot of women have a lot of their value tied in how they look mm-hmm. and what other people think of them instead of the Lord's perspective and identity on them. These physical adornments are also corruptible. Um, and Paul says, if you desire to impress the Lord, um, he requests that the ladies be clothed in what? An incorruptible, non-physical beauty. Of that, a gentle and quiet spirit. Yeah, of a gentle and quiet mm-hmm. spirit. We, we, the ladies dress themselves uh, for the eyes of others. That's why we, men do it too. You know, we dress ourselves for the eyes of others. And it's so fascinating that it says, in the sight of God, um, it says, rather let it be in the hidden person, which is very, uh, a beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. So thinking about God's eyes, I think is something that I would encourage the ladies to do. And I, I think that I would, I'm going to teach Aria this is when you get ready, don't just think about the eyes of men and women. Think about how God's eyes are looking upon you and the hidden person in your heart 
is that dressed as well as your outward appearance is dressed. Um, it says, this is precious in the sight of God. While your beautiful red dress is maybe precious in the sight of the eyes of your husband um, or uh, your, you know, your girlfriends, um, when the Lord looks upon you, he's not going to see the decor of your body. He's going to see your heart. Mm-hmm. And so I don't care how much effort you put into your physical body. He's looking at your spirit. He's looking at your heart. Mm-hmm. And ladies, are you dressing yourselves, clothing yourselves in a gentle and quiet spirit? So just examine yourself in that question. Now, what does it mean to be gentle? Um, the word is often translated from the Greek into the English as the word meek, which is kind of not a common word that we, we use today. Um, the word is preus, is how it's pronounced in the Greek, which means mild or calm. So a mild and quiet spirit or a calm and quiet spirit. This is something that is precious in the sight of God. Uh, and now I, I know there's a lot of ladies that are just like naturally like this. And then there's some ladies that are firecrackers. Like me. And, <laughs> and I see t- you looking at me. <laughs> yeah, it takes work. It's, I'm not naturally a gentle. I'm, I'm more quiet, She's but quiet. I'm not yeah. naturally a gentle person. I'm a little, I get agitated. Yeah. And it takes a lot of effort and self-control. Yes. Which is one of the fruits of the spirit. spirit. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. So, um, the, the word, um, preus, it's actually kind of a difficult way to translate it because the word pra, P-R-A, the beginning of that means more than. So it's like more than meek, more than calm, more than gentle. Um, but we have to remember that biblical meekness is not weakness. It's actually God's strength under control. And so you, you actually have this power. Um, and, and meekness is a, is a trait that men need to have too. I, you know, I can steamroll someone in a scriptural argument, and that's not meek. Mm-hmm. It is important that we just go, oh, you know what? I'm going to be gentle in this manner. And I don't think Jesus was absolutely, he, he was not um, steamrolling people in the way that he talked with them. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a harshness. We're not demonstrating harshness, ladies. Uh, harshness is not a ladylike feature in the way that Jesus uh, is looking at this. Um, was Jesus's power shown in physical strength or actually physical weakness. You know, he allowed himself to be beaten to mm-hmm. death. It, it was this physical weakness. Did Jesus accomplish his work through physical power or spiritual humility? Humility. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Did Jesus curse those who cursed him? Did he return evil for evil? No, he was so gentle Jesus wasn't aggressive. He wasn't overbearing. He wasn't belligerent. He wasn't out of control or rude. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was gentle. And ladies, he he calls us, not us, ladies. I'm not a lady. He calls you guys. He calls you, you ladies. Guys, you ladies. There you go. <laughs> you ladies. I'll say it. He calls us. He calls us all to gentleness. <laughs> but he calls you ladies specifically in your spirit to be gentle. And so... Yeah. And so we just went over the word gentle. So, but what about the word quiet? What does it mean to have a quiet spirit? It simply means to be calm or peaceable. It means as a woman, we don't contend with others, but instead allow the Holy Spirit to do the convicting in the lives of others. 
I, I want to say a quick statement here. Mm-hmm. I have ladies sometimes that text me through the Instagram app or whatever, mm-hmm. write me questions or something like that. And they're just so intense. Like they're just mm-hmm. like arguing with me. And I just go, ladies, don't argue with other men. I mean, I'm not saying that you can't. I'm just saying is that, man, pray. That's a contentious spirit. And that's not what God calls us to have. Yeah. Calls us to have a gentle and meek spirit. If you have an issue with something another man says, talk to your husband about it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Or have the conversation with that person. You know, hopefully your husband is aware if you're not married, but have that conversation with the person in a respectful manner to have a conversation, not to argue and uh, contend to see who's right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, she doesn't allow her passions to overtake her, which would just really be a lack of self-control um, and just not ladylike in the Lord's eyes. And not that it's wrong to have passions. Mm-hmm. It's okay to have passions and to be a passionate person, um, but just, you know, be mindful. Is it overtaking you? Is it taking priority? Yeah. I'm, and we've seen ladies in our own lives who are just passionate mm-hmm. and, and, it doesn't, again, it's a self-control issue. It doesn't mean that you can't be internally passionate, mm-hmm. but, um, but the Lord is, just, I think just, yeah, a meek spirit, a calm spirit. Mm-hmm. It's ladylike. And the Lord, I mean, I know a lot of women that are very passionate and the Lord has gifted them with these, with this knowledge and these things that they're passionate about, but we still have to abide by what the word calls us to do and the, what the word calls us to be. And actually when you are falling into your biblical role, with those passions, when the time comes to um, exercise that gift, it's actually much more powerful. It is. And we don't allow our emotions, just because it feels good to be intense um, or to, to allow, you know, uh, to fight back or to be, just be, we can't let our emotions dictate how we behave. Well, that's just kind of how culture is today. You know, it's like whoever's the loudest is the one that gets hurt or the one who's wins or the one who's more powerful. And that's just so contradictory to yeah. the word. Yeah, yeah, it's true. And the scriptures say that we worship God in spirit and in truth. Mm-hmm. And so if you want to worship the Lord, you get to do it according to scripture and you get to do it walking in the spirit. Uh, the core of this verse actually, which is ladies, if you just want to read first Peter chapter three, it's just a, it's got a lot about husbands and wives, the core of this verse, cause it was actually, you know, if we look at the context of the chapter, it's about how a wife can win her husband to the Lord, mm-hmm. um, through her conduct without saying anything, mm-hmm. but instead through, uh, her behavior, her prayers, um, and it implies that if you carry yourself in this manner, uh, you'll also employ a stronger strategy in your home to winning your husband to the Christian faith or to be obedient to the word than being assertive or not quiet, not meek, and trying to get your husband to behave a certain way. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I've just heard so many testimonies of women who followed this and watched their husbands just the the Holy Spirit just turn the husband's heart over time. Um, I think this is actually seen in the uh, Lee Strobel's movie that that came out, The Case for Christ. I think it's a really good example of what that looks like. Um, So ladies, are you assertive or aggressive? Uh, Maybe you've called it passion. Maybe it's intense. Maybe people call me intense. Maybe you've been called blunt. Mm -hmm. Um, It's worth examining if you're dressing yourselves 
with what the world calls beautiful, this kind of opposite character of what a woman in the scriptures look like, uh, how the culture paints what a woman could be, should be, is. Um, Or are you dressing yourself in your spirit according to what the Lord is looking for in your character? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so this next verse that we're going to go over is actually one of my favorites. It offers so much clarity um, of the character of a godly woman. So it's going to be Titus 2, verse 3 through 5. Again, New King James Version. The older women likewise, that they be reverent in behavior, not slanderers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things, that they admonish the young women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, homemakers, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be blasphemed. Now, we could spend three episodes um, talking on just that one passage, but today we're just going to touch on a few of these characteristics. Yeah, and before we jump on that, um, why don't you talk real quick about our community, um, which was uh, really led up by an an older woman named Lisa Jacobson. And her husband. And her husband, Mm -hmm. yeah, but I'm talking just specifically for the women. For the women. Mm -hmm. She holds these gatherings. She's put together these gatherings. You've been doing it for a couple of years now called Titus Two Gatherings. Mm -hmm. And it teaches you what it means to be a godly woman. Can you talk about those just for a second? Yeah, we meet once a month um, and these gatherings are called our Titus Two meeting. We have it once a month. Um, And it's more really like the practical side Mm -hmm. of a godly woman. It's uh, how to be keepers of the home, how to love your husbands, how to love your children, discreet, chase, homemakers. And we've gone, you know, whatever this scripture says, we've had a class kind of, it's kind of like a class mm-hmm. on all of these things, but we also have had very practical things. Um, I know our upcoming one is a lot of us homeschool. And so it's going to be, um, the, like the beginning years of homeschooling mm-hmm. and, um, different approaches and different styles. And then we've also done bread making and we've also, um, done like meal planning, hospitality, meal planning, hospitality, how to, um, health, like, um, during cold and flu season, how to, protect your family using natural remedies, things like that. Um, so it's just super practical and it has been a huge blessing to not only myself, but all of the women that have been, um, attending these Titus two meetings. And then also what we learn, we get to teach it to the, uh, the women younger than us. Yeah, exactly. And this is really the core of this, of just, again, emulating constantly what it means to be a godly woman. There is ministry to do. The world is warring for the hearts mm-hmm. of women right now. Yeah. And if you, and if you're happen to be an older woman listening to this, um, I just really, really want to encourage you to fall into that biblical role because it is so needed. There are so many, I get, you know, messages every single day. I've, one of my friends from Indiana just called and asked to speak about this specifically because they're going to try and do that with their fellowship out in Indiana. And, um, it's just a huge blessing. It's so needed because so many women today were not raised in godly biblical homes or didn't have godly biblical moms. And they, they get married and all of a sudden they realize, I don't know what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Um, so just to um, equip the young women um, and reach out to them would be a huge blessing. Hey, Dale Partridge here. I think Christians underestimate the influence the culture can have on us. I think without even noticing, many of us have traded this incredible life that God wants for us for an empty counterfeit. If you haven't realized, the church has become comfortable with things we shouldn't be comfortable with. We've normalized things in our work, our marriages, our families, and our finances that are not normal. But the question I have for you is this, what does the Bible say about what's normal? What kind of life should Christians be chasing? 
What if I told you that what's popular isn't superior? What if I told you that what seems smart isn't actually right? What if I told you that the world's view of success is actually God's definition of failure? The Bible says that the wisdom of this world is foolishness to God. So what if we're doing it wrong? What if the lives of those who follow Jesus look more like the culture than like Christ? What if the life we're so desperate to have isn't something to seek after, but actually to be saved from? I answer these questions in my latest book, Saved from Success, how God can free you from culture's distortion of family, work, and the good life. It's a short, convicting, bold book. Get your copy in hardback or audiobook at relearnchurch.org forward slash success. Again, that's relearnchurch.org forward slash success. Uh, there's a few words. So again, we can't talk about all these things. Yeah. So we're, just hit a few. I'm just going to hit a few of these. And one of them I'm going to talk about is the word chaste. Uh, just, it, it means, um, it's easy to just pass over this real quick. The word chaste is just like in the bunch of commas. Um, it means abstaining from all extramarital sexuality. It's pure. Pure, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I'd imagine that that it would extend this command of being pure uh, to having a pure and loyal emotional uh, perspective and affections for your husband as well. Not just your physical body and being pure there, but in your emotions, in your affections, which again- In your thoughts. In your thoughts, all those things is so important. Yeah, and this might seem obvious, but more and more women are falling in to the sin of pornography. Yep. You know, years ago it was, it was we'd only talk to the men, but now it's more and more women um, or sleeping with their boyfriends. And so I think this passage in the scripture right here is still very, very relevant to today. Yeah, and yeah, what an older woman needs to be teaching a younger woman is to protect her sexuality. And any any sexual activity outside of marriage in the scriptures is considered sexual immorality or fornication. And the scriptures speak directly to this, that the sexually immoral will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a really powerful scripture. And I know a lot of ladies, we've, we, we do ministry with lots of 19 to 20 somethings at our, you know, because we're, we're in our, you know, early thirties. Well, Veronica's 29. I'm 29. I <laughs> speak for yourself. <laughs> but we have a lot of early twenties mm-hmm. that, are dealing a lot with this, mm-hmm. just oh, being yeah. pure and not sleeping around uh, with their boyfriends. Yeah. So next one we want to touch on is keepers at home. Can a family operate well without the intentional care of a home? No. No, not at all. You no. either have to pay someone to care for the home for you or it just kind of falls apart. Yep. So the Bible has uh, distributed this responsibility to the women. Yeah, this is this is a lady's responsibility. Um, it's it's clear that the ladies are to be the keeper of the home. Uh, we even see this throughout the Book of Acts. I think this is really fascinating uh, that the culture was intact there, like just culturally. Uh, when it's talking about all the churches that it references in the Book of Acts, um, it was mentioned that you know, it was a church that the church that met at Mary's house or the church that met at Lydia's house or the church that met at Priscilla's house. Mm-hmm. These are, uh, the, the owner of the home, the, the, the queen of the home was the woman. Mm-hmm. And, and that's just, I think a, a really honorable statement that like, that is her 
domain. Well, if people want to talk about the entrepreneurialness of the Proverbs 31 woman, but she also was an amazing housekeeper. Yes. She kept her home and managed it and she was structured and organized and she excelled Well, there. we also forget that the Proverbs 31 woman uh, and Ruth and, um, uh, well, I don't know about Esther. I'd have to look back at that. But our mothers mm-hmm. and they are wives as well. We sometimes want to divorce that idea that the Proverbs 31 woman is just this like entrepreneurial, independent woman. Like, no, she's also an epic mother and Well, it says, and at the end of the passage, it says that her husband may be known in the gates. Yeah. She does all this so that her husband may be known in the gates. Yes. Beautiful. Anyway, um, we're getting a little off topic, but does that mean a woman can have no outside focus of the home? No, it just simply means that her home should be the centralized focus of her ministry and of her life. Mm-hmm. Um, the Lord expects ladies to care for their homes and he will measure our lives against his word. Um, and as Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my commands. Yeah, and I actually, um, we have lots of ladies in our community and lots of ladies that we know that are power players in the world and crushing it at home but it's because they are the the home is central mm. but the lord does this beautiful thing where it says that that um the humble will be exalted and these ladies when they humble themselves the lord exalts them we have friends that uh you know Aaron and Jen Smith at marriage after god Jen's got you know a 100,000 people or a million people or whatever or more, yeah, that, that follow her and um, Veronica and her ministry and our friends at Courageous Parenting that do another podcast here locally, uh, Angie and Isaac Tolpin, they're building, the Lord is building that platform. There's lots of work outside of the home that they're doing, ministry mm-hmm. that's happening, but the, the home is focused, mm-hmm. uh, is the focus part. So in scripture, um, I want to just, re- you know, uh, remind the ladies that, that, they're not expected to provide financially for the family, for themselves even in scripture. Like what a blessing that is, man. You, you ladies need to be taking advantage of that, you know, just in terms of like the men are called to do the providing. Mm-hmm. And uh, now this has just recently kind of changed over the last hundred years, but man, I would, man, if I was wanting to sit and rest in that capability that man, you are, um, you, you are not called in the same manner to provide physically and financially uh, for, for the family um, or to protect the family from physical threats. You don't need to become a man. You can become a woman. Again, Satan's plan for the culture today is that men will be boys, women will be men, and children as a result will become irrelevant and the home will fall apart. Um, homemaking, just from me learning more and more about it, just by watching Veronica and some of the older women in our community, it is an absolute honor. And I want you guys to just hear this. Um, the home is the nucleus of all life. Like it is absolutely the core part of a healthy walk with God and a healthy family. And there's a direct correlation with those people who suffer from depression, anxiety, insomnia, uh, and those that had a broken home or just a disorganized home. There's actually studies that show that you as a woman uh, whoever's in your home, whether it's roommates or children or a husband, get to actually dictate the health, the future health of these people by the home that you put together. And um, and so, yeah, so that's just one point I want to make. Um, I want to mention a couple of things in this verse, then we'll, we'll wrap it up here in a second. 
It says a teacher of good things in that passage in, in Titus 2. What are good things? Um, who gets to define good or bad? Well, God does. And I think about the story when the rich young ruler is chasing after Jesus and he says, uh, hey, good teacher. And Jesus says, hey, why do you call me good? There is only one good and that's God. Well, what he's really saying is that like, wow, are you recognizing me as the de- deity in which I am? <laughs> um, uh, but what that what that's saying is, is a teacher of good things is a teacher of godly things. Mm. And the Lord is calling ladies to teach godly things to younger ladies. Mm-hmm. And so this is a part of your role and you cannot teach what you do not know. Yeah, and this is a call for women to be educated in the scriptures and um, and experienced in righteousness. Yeah, and to teach these truths to other women, um, to make it a habit to proactively teach these things of God to the younger women. Yeah, yeah, and and this is something that you can speak from your own experience. Like you don't naturally, you know, go out and start teaching. Like it ha- like it says. I- a teacher of good things. Like you need, you've, you've walked into becoming this. Why don't you talk about that for a second? Well, that, and I'm also, I'm 29. Yeah. I'm not an older woman. So there's also wisdom there as yeah. well. Um, but if a younger woman were to approach me in our community and ask for some um, counsel or advice on something, I would, you know, share with them what I know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we're, you know, and lead them back to the scriptures. Talk about the point is that you're always older than somebody. Right. Yeah. 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 You're always older than somebody. I'm 29. I've got several women in our church yeah. community that are younger than me that I can pour into their lives. But there is this passage is specifically talking to about an older woman. I would say 35 and up mm-hmm. is considered an older woman. Yeah. Um, meaning that you have some experience in marriage. You have some experience in child raising. You have some experience in homes, like decade plus experience. Mm-hmm. And um, so I think that's an important point. And then going back to this passage, it actually closes with that the word of God may not be blasphemed. So this means that the gospel can be injured by women living in a manner inconsistent with the very book that they claim to have found God through. Okay, huge point that we need to just kind of hammer down a few more times because it listed all these things, how a woman should be. And it says, it's implying that you need to do these things. And if you don't do these things, that the word of God may be blasphemed. Mm. Mm-hmm. And what it's saying is that why should a skeptic or an onlooker believe that the gospel is true when you as a lady are not even walking according to the book that you received the gospel from? Mm-hmm. I'm supposed to believe the gospel is true that you found in that book right there. Yet, you are not even walking according to the way that that book tells you to live. Mm -hmm. That's craziness. And the same thing, men, we can absolutely blaspheme the word of God when we walk contrary to the scriptures. Oh, Jesus Christ. Oh, look at the gospel. It's so good. Thank you, Lord, for saving us. Let me go live like hell or live opposite Mm -hmm. to that. It absolutely can injure the gospel. Um, So bottom line, as we close out here in a second, Men and women have equal value before the eyes of the Lord, but we're different in role. We have different roles. Uh, we're both made in God's Im- image, but we are complementary uh, pairs. And I, I, I pointed this out in our Ultimate Marriage Program, our, our uh, six-week program 
which we're getting ready to launch actually soon. Just a little plug there. Mm-hmm. Um, but even the creation narrative supports this idea of complementarianism. And I want to explain that. Um, when God created the world, he created heaven and earth. He creates land and sea, sun and moon, man and woman. And these are not duplicated sameness. He's not duplicating land and land or uh, heaven and heaven. No, they're, they're complementary pairs. They're not competing elements. They're complementary to each other. Uh, and notice that also that God pulls Eve out of Adam's side. He doesn't pull him or doesn't pull Eve out of uh, Adam's feet that Adam would trample upon her. He doesn't pull Eve out of her out of Adam's head that that woman would rule over. No, he pulls Eve out of his rib, which is close to his heart and his side, his core of who he is. And I, I just think that it's just beautiful that he chose to do that in that spot. So um, uh, now the Lord has given headship throughout the scriptures. It's pretty clear mm-hmm. to man. Um, it, it was the man that was created first. And there's this idea of the birthright throughout scripture, if you study that. Um, it was the man that was given the instructions of morality in the Garden of Eden. He was kind of the moral um, guard of what is right and wrong. Uh, those were not given to Eve. Um, it was the man that was given the helper. Um, so there is some headship structure. Mm-hmm. But Eve was never diminished uh, or independent. Remember, that word helper is the same word that is used to describe the Holy Spirit. And remember, the Holy Spirit is absolutely equal with Christ and with God the Father. And prior to the fall, and even after, Eve was linked together with her husband in one mission. And just the mission is to serve the Lord God. So it's not about hierarchy. We're going to be talking about some of these things next week, but I just want you guys to understand those deeper elements of this biblical narrative. Yes. So next week, we're going to be talking about three more verses on the topics of submission to your husband, modesty, and what it means to be a helper. Mm -hmm. Um, But for now, thanks for listening to this episode. Um, We hope that it was edifying to you. Again, if you'd consider leaving us a review on iTunes. um, Also, you can hear these messages uh, watch the video or review our notes at relearnchurch.org under the listen tab. But that's yes. not currently up. It's not currently up, but it'll be up soon. And again, it'll if you're listening soon. to this like, you know, months later, it'll definitely be up. But yeah, if but you're listening in real time, yeah, it's just another couple days, um, hopefully by our next episode. But we will backlog all the past episodes mm-hmm. there so that you from guys From 30 can, up, right? Yeah, from episode number 30 and up mm-hmm. um, because prior it was, uh, our, our podcast was called ultimate marriage. If you guys have been following along for some time. Um, but yeah, we'll have all those there because people are asking, Hey, where can we get your notes? Those notes will be there. working on it. Yeah. Those scriptures will be there. So thanks for listening thanks for until listening. next time. See you guys. Take care. Hey, Dale Partridge here. We hope this podcast has been a blessing to your walk with God. For those that don't know, Real Christianity is an audio ministry under our nonprofit, relearnchurch.org. 
I'm telling you this because we're a listener-supported podcast. It takes a small team, a serious amount of equipment, and several hours per week to keep this show going. I share this because Veronica and I want to grow the reach of this show so that it might help even more Christians mature in their understanding of God's Word. So if you're a regular listener to this podcast, would you consider supporting us in this ministry effort? We're not asking for much, maybe $10, $20, or $25 per month. I promise you that your support will help us continue to get God's truth out, to strengthen the body of Christ, and to further the gospel. If you feel led to make a donation, simply go to relearnchurch.org forward slash donate. Again, that's relearnchurch.org forward slash donate. Thank you so much for your consideration. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Real Christianity. Real Christianity is an audio ministry of relearnchurch.org. If you'd like more information on how to live out a biblical life, relearnchurch.org hosts a variety of articles, podcasts, sermons, and videos to support your journey. Real Christianity is a 100% listener-supported ministry, and if you'd like to support our efforts, simply click the Donate tab at relearnchurch.org. You can also connect with both Veronica and I on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter for daily lessons and Bible teachings. Thank you for being with us today. We hope to see you next Wednesday for another episode of Real Christianity.